What's happening, guys? So today we're in the workshop with Tim Brown, and uh, we're going to be doing our first official podcast together. We're actually going to be recording it on this little this little thingy my bobbin called a mic, you know. And um, so yeah, Tim, welcome to uh, my little humble workshop, which is a complete mess. <laughs> And we are coming to you live, straight out of Benoni. <laughs> straight out of Benoni. <laughs> anyway, let's get things kicked off on the right way. Are you ready with your bevy? Yes. We're this, recording on the on the laptop. Right? Yes. Yeah. Everything is being recorded. Excellent. This episode is proudly brought to you by my bank account. Yes. Because no one's giving us money yet. <laughs> Cheers, brother. Cheers. Cheers. First of many. First of many. Oh, that's ah, lovely. Smooth like a stripper's ass. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Trenton, for the viewers out there, let's just do the short introductions. So, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, what's your stripper name? My stripper name is Goldilocks. <laughs> so, so, I'm originally from Natal, from a little town called Paul Petersburg, right? Near Frey Haight, Petrotif, Dumbi, all those places. And uh, my background, I've, I've done many jobs. I was involved in uh, shipping and things of that nature, air freight, sea freight, and things like that. I also worked as a salesman for an office furniture company back in the day. And then worked as a technician for service for for a couple of years. But for the last eight years, I've been doing bushcrafting courses, uh, teaching people basic bushcrafting and advanced bushcrafting later on when I could actually teach the advanced bushcrafting. Because you can't teach something you don't know, right? Yeah, you can't teach something. Or you can, but it's a fraud. It's a fraud. (laughs) It's a fraud. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was basically my main focus was the bushcrafting courses for many years. Mm. And so now it's just the transition into making the tool that you use in bushcrafting so much. So much, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your background, Tim? So I was born in Bulwayo in, in Rhodesia at the time. And then uh, we left Zimbabwe in 1983, and uh, we spent a year on the Rand, on the West Rand, in Rudapurt, and moved down to PE. I studied engineering in Cape Town, and I've been working for 20 years in various engineering fields, and I've been making knives and doing blacksmithing for about four years now, so I'm still a novice, and most of my stuff. Uh, has been self-taught or watching YouTube, so I've done it the very hard way. I'm stubborn like that. (laughs) I like to struggle. You have to embrace the suck. Um, If I had an opportunity like Trenton to go and apprentice at someone like Jack Conan, uh, it would be really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and Twenty says... Hello, lad. So we, we're going to be following the comments on here and answering some of them when we have time, if we're not getting too pissed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's my background. Mm. And I'm, I'm actually in the process of trying to leave formal employment. 
and become a full-time maker. It's a difficult transition to mm. to to try and get into, especially like I, I'm speaking from my experience alone. Is that I mean you've got a lot more experience than I have. I mean you've been mm. doing this for four years, yeah, right, and you've been putting out some serious, seriously impressive mm. work, right, during mm. that period of time. But for me at this point, it's a very difficult thing like i've been considering maybe trying to get a part-time job and mm. then do the knife making thing on the side just so mm. that i can afford to buy materials mm. so that i can mm. go harder into knife making mm. but at this point it's still the learning process and i mean we know that you never stop learning within knife making yeah but you know in the beginning period trying to go full blast into it mm. it's very difficult to make that that leap yeah, and you know. it's 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 about gaining that confidence in yourself to be capable of supporting yourself and your family on on this uh, adventure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Tony wants to know uh, when I'm a full time maker if if I'll let him be my apprentice. <laughs> Only if he brings a coffee machine. <laughs> <laughs> that coffee machine is amazing. Mm. But. Um, yeah, so so let's let's talk about a little bit. I mean, we we've got some some topics of discussion that we're going to be talking about in and around things, but I think we let's talk about um, our visit to Garth Fletcher today. Yeah, yeah. That now for those of you who don't know, Garth Fletcher is the owner of Trinity Seven Forge or Thuna Forge. Yeah, um, he is a machine builder, so he makes. Uh, belt grinders, power hammers, and uh, Trenton's machine sounded like a gearbox full of gravel because the bearings were seriously poked. <laughs> and and the problem with that, I mean, mm. Garth sent me a picture, mm. and, and I showed you that picture mm. earlier, of the, the shaft and the bearings. Yes. And because I wet grind, you know, mm. learning from Jack, I, mm. I wet grind now. Mm. And um, the bearings were just finished. They were absolutely, absolutely stuffed. Mm. And, um, yeah, so, so I mean, that's, that's something that, I mean, it sounds like basic logic, but mm. for some reason I just mm. didn't think about it. Mm. You know, the bearings are consumables. Yeah, but you, you know, come from an engineering background. I don't. Yeah, I don't. So. I don't. So, so yeah. I mean, you know, I was having problems with the machine because mm. of the vibration that was being caused by all of these uh, by neglecting the machine, basically. Yeah. And I spoke to Garth about it, mm. and and then you came through and helped mm. me take the machine through, and he explained everything very nicely to us today. And Garth is probably one of the nicest, most decent human beings you will meet humble mm. encouraging mm. just gives good advice yes definitely he, he's not a guy to try and sell you something just to make a buck yeah he you won't know? sell you something unless he thinks you need it yeah because he's not there to just take your money he's he's there to provide you with the tool you need so if your need is for the entry level, which what which is what Trenton got because he wasn't sure about what he whether he was going to be full or really into it. Yeah, at at that time, at that time, it was a good suggestion from mm. Garth because he didn't know how serious I was about knife making. We yeah. spoke about this at Garth's place today, yeah. 
And I didn't know how serious I was. I was curious about mm. it. But at that point, my focus was based around bushcrafting mm. primarily. Mm. And so for me, that was a good call for him to make that. Yes. You know. And uh, the thing is, the service backup. So Garth bought, uh, Trenton bought his machine from Garth about two years ago. So that was one of his earlier machines. He's made, he's continuously improving his machines with little things to bring the ease of manufacture down, to make the usability better. So some of the issues that Trenton had with his machine with locking up the, the, the platen and stuff um, have already been resolved on the new models. Yeah. And he's prepared to, to <coughs> upgrade Brenton, Trenton's machine to be the same level as, as what the machines are now, which is, I don't think you find that from many uh, manufacturers. And, and this is the thing, and I mean, we were also speaking about it to, to Garth today, is that, um, you know, with, with bigger compi- companies that have a good name and so mm. on, there's nothing wrong with buying from other companies. But what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to really bring across, what I'm trying to bring across here is that service is such an important, like, I mean, it, it's a no-brainer. Mm. But service is what sells your product Yeah. at the end of the day. A good product obviously mm. is important. But the service behind that product yes. is equally important, if yeah. not more so. Yeah, definitely. And, and this, is, this is the thing with Garth is mm. that he takes the flipping time mm. to, to have a phone call with you, chat yeah. to you, uh, get an understanding of what your needs are at this present time, mm. and then quote you accordingly yes, on, on, on what machine you need. Yes, you definitely. And, and he told us today he's turned around – Plenty of young guys who he knows how younger people are. It's a new fad; they want to try this, and he can see the look in the parents' eyes that yeah. this is a, it's a serious chunk of money. Yeah. And he said to them, "Go buy yourself a, a cheap belt grinder from the pawn shop. These little Ryobis, whatever. See if they maintain the interest, and then if the interest is still there, then you invest the money. Make the investment, yeah, because it is it's a chunk of cash for most people, especially if you're working for your money, yeah." And I mean, the thing is, I mean, you say it's a chunk of cash, but it's all relative to what you earn at the end of the day. But to say that it's a chunk of cash, like, yeah, it's not cheap, okay? But it's very, very competitively priced. Extremely. Extremely competitively priced. So, like, for you to go and buy, I'm not going to mention any other brands, but Mm. for you to go and buy a good belt grinder, it's going to set you back, like, if, if you really want the shit, mm. like, you're probably going to be paying 20K, if not mm. more, depending mm. on what machine you get. Yeah, because if you, if you want the VFD, which is a variable frequency drive to run different speeds on a, on a three-phase motor, just the, just the VFD is going to cost 3,000 Rand. Yeah. That's before you add all the other insinuities, the motor, the, the bell grind itself. So... And the thing is, if you want to be, if you're doing forged blades and you're doing big knives, you want a machine with power. So you're not going to want the 0.75 kilowatt. You're going to want the 1.5. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, it, the the machine has to match the purpose. So if you're making folding knives, you don't need the 1.5 kilowatt because you're not hogging off chunks of material. Yeah, yeah. But if you're doing forged blades, then you want the power. Yes, yes. 
And that's the thing, if like especially for the guys who really lean into their grinders, that machine mm. bogs down if it's yeah if it's underpowered, mm. it just bogs down. Yeah. So um I mean even my motor on my machine is mm. uh, 0.75. Yes. So when I lean into that machine and I don't have the biggest amount of weight behind me to mm. lean into it, but I can bog it down. Yeah. So for a guy like yourself or mm. a guy like Niels or mm. or um Stuart. Stuart those guys will bog that machine down in no mm. no time at all. Yeah. You know. But it's yeah, it's you, you he matches the machine to your use or your mm. requirement, which is great. And and he's he's very open minded. Mm. Which which helps you not feel so so bad about maybe asking stupid questions mm. in the first place. Like <laughs> yeah. I did when I first bought my machine from him. Yeah. Um and and as he said today, now that I've got a better understanding as to what I want, because I have a little bit more experience mm. in the field, um, as to what I had back then, mm. now I can say to him, look, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? And there's mm. so many little improvements, like you said earlier, mm. that he's made to the machines. Yeah, It's a lot cleaner from mm. when I first bought my machine. Yeah. So he's not just stagnating at a certain standard. That's mm. what you get. That's done. Finished mm. clock. It's he's always trying to make it a lot easier for the operator to switch mm. out mm. Uh, uh, attachments, uh, attachments. Mm. and um, and I mean that little gas lift on the on the side mm. pushing out the platen to tension your belt just to on make the, it on easier. The grinder, yeah, yeah it's it's a brilliant little upgrade mm. that makes things so much easier mm. because before I would have to pull out mm. the platen tighten it and then get it to the right you know and it was mm. a it was a little bit of a ball ache mm. but now he's he's refined the machine and it mm. looks a lot more finished and it's it's a great machine mm. it's a great machine for the money that you are paying mm. you cannot get that quality anywhere else at that money mm. and talking about machines that he makes he's also just about ready to bring a <coughs> mechanical power hammer Excuse it's me. it's essentially a tire hammer, but what makes his machine different is he's moved the motor and the tire down to the bottom of the machine to reduce the center of gravity. Yeah. It's about, I think as he said it was about a 45 kilogram hammer yeah. or 40, 45 kilogram hammer. So if you follow Garth or you go look on his page, um, you'll see updates about that power hammer and... For South African knife makers, where we have limited, especially for uh, uh, blacksmiths or, or bladesmiths that are forging blades, if you want a, a power hammer, you either have to make it yourself or you have to bring it in from China. And even bringing stuff in from China, the machines are okay, yeah. but the cost of shipping and getting it to your door is is expensive. I it think is. If, I, if I could estimate for the same equivalent like a 40 kilogram power hammer you're probably going to pay twice the price of what Garth's machine is yeah so he's an interesting character i really like him because he, he's he's a machine builder so he's continuously looking at ways to improve his machines yeah it's not like there it is take it and go yeah so it's 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 an evolving process. It is. And and the thing that I like about Goth is he's always willing to take suggestions from guys mm. that make knives. Yeah. He even took his 
I, mean, I tested out his first machine. Mm. Um, that was more than two years ago. He then took the machine to Niels van der Berg. Yeah. He took it to Henning. And he took it to... Uh, he took the switchback version, which is the, the, the top of the range one. He took that to Kevin Harvey. After he had been to Kevin Harvey and seen all the belt grinders Kevin Harvey <laughs> built himself. And taking lessons from that, and Kevin's bought a machine from him. He didn't buy the switchback because he doesn't like the, the flop over. He bought yeah. the, the Pro VFD, the 1.5. Yeah. Because that that suits the way he works. Mm. Um, so he's a, he's a great ape to know. Um, and even if you just need advice, he's willing to give you the advice. And and that's that, once again, just speaks to the, the, the type of guy that mm. Garth is. Because mm. even if you're not going to buy a machine from him, Mm. He is willing to give you that advice. Mm. And not a lot of guys mm. will do that. No, they won't have the time for yeah. it. So, yeah, I, mm. if you guys need grinders, go and check Garth Fletcher out. He's a, mm. he's a great guy. We'll, uh, we'll actually put up a link, I think, in the, uh, comments. in the comments where you can go and check out his Instagram account and get in touch with him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, so... This is the first official episode of our podcast, so we're going to talk a little bit of what do we what do we want out of this podcast? So we wrote a few things down. So Trent, if you could just explain what's what's sort of your aim with the podcast? Well, when I first spoke to you about this podcast, it mm. was. For me, if it's not fun, it's not worth doing. Yeah, first definitely. Of all. So, so I mean, we we're both knife makers. I'm in the beginning processes of it. You're mm. you're a lot further ahead, which mm. is great because mm. it's it's a nice medium mm. to to. I mean, you're not too much far forward mm. ahead of me, but mm. you you're still way more ahead of me. So mm. it's nice to have this. It's an interesting interesting mm. dynamic to have yeah. between between the two of us, and. Um, I think for me, the whole purpose of this is we're not trying to tell anybody how to do anything or mm. whatever. We're just trying to sort of mm. develop a community around craftsmanship. Yes, definitely. Knife makers, bowyers, leather workers, leather workers, woodworkers, whoever. So, yeah, for me, it, it's it's more about describing a journey. So. I'm at a certain point on my journey, which has its timeline, and Trenton's on a on a on a point on his timeline and, and his journey. And um, we want to speak to different life makers at all sorts of levels to inspire other people who want to take up a craft or start a journey of their own. Yeah. And um, we want to we want to share the things we learn because. We want to build a community that that shares knowledge. Mm. I think that's important, and and that's quite evident in our in our South African knife makers. Is the majority of knife makers are willing to share their time and their knowledge with other knife makers because they know the struggle is real. Yes, yes, yeah. And I mean, this is the thing: is is if especially within knife making, once you get into it and you actually find out the complexities within knife making. Mm. Um, it seems very, very overwhelming mm. in the beginning. Yeah. And this was my frustration for a long time is I didn't have a mentor. 
Mm. I didn't have somebody to hold my hand through the process and tell mm. me why my blades were breaking, why mm. this was happening, why that was happening. Why your plunge lines aren't <laughs> <laughs> So, so I mean, the, these are things that, and I mean, we're going to get back to to mm. this a little bit later with mm. uh, when we talk about getting into knife making. Mm. Um, but having a mentor mm. is a massive help. You know, it's a huge help. It is a massive help. Like you, you'll have a process that you want to delve into or something mm. like like for example hamans mm. i did my first haman on a kitchen knife the other day mm. stunning <laughs> it it was it was lovely it needs to be improved over time as mm. well but jack helped me with that and talked me through the process showed mm. me how to do it mm. he pretty much did the majority of the work on that mm. knife if mm. i'm honest mm. and then i put my brand on it mm. which is a little bit of a fuck you because like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's your design. Yeah. And you, you did Jack was only there to help you where you couldn't do it yourself, basically. Yeah. 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 Which I think is important. I mean I may I may be self taught, but I've had interactions with other knife makers and I've been to guys like Jacques Mungus and a couple of other guys, forgers, and even if you're just chilling around or fucking around or doing a specific thing you pick up things from other makers because Absolutely. everybody does things slightly differently. And uh, there was a, my first job, there was a, a old Austrian guy. I was on doing drawing mm. and was on the old big drawing boards. You stand in front of it. And he always used to say is you steal with your eyes. Mm. Mm. So have a look at everything, see what you like, see what you don't like and mm. remember it because you may not need it right then, but you might get to a point where you remember, ah, wait, they did it like this before and it didn't work. Or they did it like this before, they solved this by doing that. And yeah. it's just small little things. And I think the more time you spend around other knife makers and, and having mentors or people you can speak to about the issues you may be having with your knife making yeah. is, is very important. And, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier about knife makers within South Africa. There's a lot of knife makers who are absolutely brilliant at what they do. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, I'm privileged enough to be learning from one of them. Mm. Um, but the amount of... Let me just try and think about the sentence for, mm. for a second. The amount of them who are willing to share the knowledge mm. um, and take the time to talk to you. I mean, mm. Hel Henning Wilkinson is one of the most exceptional knife mm. makers. He's um, mosaic Damascus. He's <clears throat> out of this world. He's, he's insane. Like, he, mm. he tackles projects that I would not even dream mm. of trying, right? And he pulls them off. Yeah. And, and he pulls he, them off. And and this, this is the thing. I mean, we I spoke to him the other day um, about joining us in the future on a, on a mm. podcast mm. for the open Hearthcast. Yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Mm. Like he's, he's so way above me mm. and yet he's humble enough to, to, to come and say, yeah, sure. No problem. Mm. I'll come and be a guest on your podcast. You know, no, it's, he's not going to come and be, a, we're going to go to his shop because he's got yeah. Hulk. He's a power hammer. Hulk squash. So we'll go there for the podcast. Yeah. But uh, but it's just awesome to have mm. guys who are willing to get on board. Mm. 
And it's brilliant. It's brilliant, yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, Trenton, tell us, how, how did we actually start talking to each other? <laughs> well, Tim, a long, long time ago. In Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Tim and I, I actually met Tim. I got Tim's number from uh, a Ray- guy, Raiden. Raiden, yeah. That you, you made a knife for Raiden. I've made two knives for Raiden. Okay, so you've made two knives. Yeah, my second Raiden. knife for him was one of my signature knives. Yeah. Is the Raiden Hunter Fighter because it, it was the design we came up. He came to me with some pictures and some ideas and I drew the design. I made the knife for him. Yeah. It was the first time I did a fuller. Yeah. Or as Stuart would say, a blood groove. <laughs> but sometimes we, when we get to the wall of shame, they become tear grooves. They become tear grooves. It was the first sure. time I did a, 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 a knife with a fuller on. Yeah. And the feedback I got from other people, I think I probably sold another 10 without effort. Mm. People say, no, they want that knife. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he was, he was Raiden was my first official custom order. Wow. 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 That's, that's something different. Yeah. So I've done it. I've done, <coughs> I, I did the first one and then I did the Raiden for him. And then I, uh, he had a, a old camp axe that he wanted modified and stuff. So I, is that the one with the fucking hole in it? Yes. Yeah. Oh fuck! I'm like, why, dude? It's because why well, fucking it, not? It looks fucking cool, but I'm like, yeah. I've never seen an axe with holes in it. Anyway, so I spoke to Raiden. Mm. I can't even remember how I got in contact with the guy. Because he's in, he's he does a lot of bushcrafting and and he's very active on on Instagram yeah. with his stuff. Yeah. And uh, he does some really cool videos and mm. and things like that. So so I started talking to him and. And he showed me a knife mm. that he was that that he had got from you, mm. and I said, "Well, that's a freaking cool knife, man. Mm. Love the look of it and everything." Not what, no offense, mm. not what I would look for in a bushcrafting knife. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a chopper than it, a bushcraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, great knife, mm. but for bushcraft, mm. it's a bit it, big. It's 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 a bit big. It's <laughs> a bit broad. Yeah. So, um, I then came up with, in my opinion now, a pretty shitty design. Yeah. I can't even remember what it looked like. I'll, I'll find it on, yeah. on, on uh, WhatsApp. Yeah. And I'll and I'll probably probably post a picture. Yeah. It looks really shit. Like, I was going back, like, years of, of me, like... Pre-Jack Conan. Yeah, pre-Jack Conan. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I was going through the designs that I'd drawn up years ago and i was like yes this, this looks like an eight-year-old with a pencil eh? like, it's, <laughs> it, it is shocking shocking yeah. shocking anyway so i spoke to raiden and i mm. said to him who made that knife for you and he introduced me to tim mm. i got in contact with tim and i sent him the drawing and i yeah. said to him can you make me this knife and you said yeah. yes uh, i can make it because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm dumb like that <laughs> i'll make anything if you pay me enough money exactly exactly yeah. so and then I never got back to Tim. Mm. I think we spoke a little bit here and there, but and it, it was also a difficult time for you with yeah. what was happening in your yeah. life at that yeah, point. Yeah, it was, it was a bad time for me. And I think, um, yeah, I can't remember how we got, but but you said, yeah, no, you, were, you weren't too sure about ordering a knife because you wanted to maybe start it. And it was a bad time for me, yeah. Uh, yeah. family-wise. So... I never got to make him the knife, yeah. but uh, 
I mean, I've been following him for a while on on Instagram because he he did a, a shit ton of of bushcrafting and and stuff like that, and I really I liked his style of doing things. <laughs> so it's like, wow, Trenton Stanner wants to buy a knife. <laughs> <laughs> And now here we are. Yeah, we're yeah. both in the same line of industry, yeah. and we uh, we're doing a pod. We're doing podcasts together. Like yeah. it's yeah. Um, the, the, the the podcast story for me is like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I, I've got this voice inside of me that wants to speak, but I don't have an audience. It's yeah, like there's there's stuff in me I want to get out. Yeah, and I think we've done quite a few live streams together now. Yeah, and um, we've got a good a good vibe going, and it's yeah. like. This is really cool. This is fun. I mean, yeah, there's a bit of work involved, you know. Yeah. Uh, Trenton, Trenton's doing the marketing side of it. I do the, like, edit the audio and yeah. post the shit. Which on. is actually the hard work. Yeah, it's the hard work. But, you know, it, it, I'm more, th- this type of thing. Yeah. W- works for you. Works for me, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not the marketer. You're not the marketer. <laughs> no. I make, I make things read and I'm worried with them. <laughs> no, listen, I can market mm. things that I that I enjoy. Yeah. I, I I mean, I was I was an ambassador for Morikney for a couple of years. Yeah. And I, I could sell those knives like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Because I was passionate about it, because mm. they focus mainly on mm. uh, bushcrafting knives, outdoor knives, and, mm. and things like that. So, yeah, but now it's kind of like it's the evolution of of like you bushcrafting, and mm. then you 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 know how to use a knife so dynamically. Mm. But now it comes to the deeper things, and you want to learn how to make that tool. Mm. You want to learn how to make that tool better. Yeah. And that was just the transition for me is like going from the bushcrafting background, mm. doing some anti-poaching and things like that, which mm. is an entirely different ball gaming. Yeah. Um, but then now trying to, to blend the two, you know? Yeah. And in the beginning when I started with, which mm. with Jack, my ideas were just to make bushcrafting knives. Mm. And I, I'm not saying I'm not going to be doing that because mm. that would just be stupid. Mm. Um, especially given the background that I've got, mm. I feel like I have a, a unique perspective on knives. And once I can understand how to make a knife fucking properly, yeah. then I, <laughs> then I will get to making better bushcrafting knives. But, but it's, it's it's a process. So it is a process. And you and it's like anything. You have to find your style. Mm. What's what's your what's your market? Jack Conan makes probably. Some of the best straight razors in the world. Yeah. And, uh, but he also makes absolutely stunning miniatures. Yeah. He makes stunning knives in general. He, he does. But he's really known for his straight razors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Niels van der Berg is a brilliant businessman. Yes. And, uh, he has become very good at making fucking sweet. Daggers and yes. stilettos, oh. and why does he do it? Because he enjoys doing that. He enjoys doing that, and mm. and people love watching the process. Mm. And Niels understands that, and yeah. that's why. I mean, Niels is good at marketing. I'm not taking away from He's his business. He's going to ruin his octops here. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is just good. He, he he's the kind of guy that you just want to go on a course. Mm. To meet the guy. Yeah. You know? I still want to do one of his courses. Have you not? 
No, I haven't. You haven't? No, I so I've got two up on you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've done two courses with Niels. Yeah. One was free, one wasn't. <laughs> and that no. And then the Brian Blixen. But that's not really a course though. That's not a course. No, yeah. that was a competition. Yeah. So that so those of you who don't know, the Brian Blixen is the South African bladesmith of South Africa's version of Forged in Fire. But they can't use Forged in Fire because it's trademarked. Mm. Now the first year they had it. I'd been making knives for about eight months. I had, I didn't even have a real anvil in. I had a, an anvil-shaped object, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is not always very efficient, is it? It's not very efficient, but, I mean, I learned to forge a knife from 16-millimeter truck leaf spring. If you want to learn how to move steel, work with that shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um I didn't have much experience. My belt grinder was a 25 wide uh, Bush mechanic machine that was built with a 2.4 kilowatt electric lawnmower motor. Yeah. With 3D printed drive wheel <laughs> and fabric cobbled frame <laughs> that would shock you every now and then. But, you know, it took material off the blade and it was a damn sight easier than fighting. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. anyway, the first time I entered, um, I won it. I actually have the knife here in the cupboard. Yeah. Um, I won it by default because Werner Smith's knife wasn't wasn't sharp. Yeah. It was a better knife. Yeah. And then the second time I entered it, because I had to go back to defend my crown, um, Werner won and I came second. Oh. Well, but that's not bad, though. It's not I mean, bad. But it was a, that first one was a tremendous learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second time I did it, it was more, I did it for me because I wanted to prove to my, I was at a rough patch in my in my brain. So I wanted to prove something to myself. Yeah. Almost. Um, that the first time wasn't a fluke, basically. Um, and I did things a lot differently. I mean, I went there prepared. I took a, I took a, a 10 pound sledgehammer because I knew <laughs> They were going to give us some shit piece of steel to start off with. Yeah. But I also had, I took a hole down for the yeah. anvil. Yeah. So that if you need to squash the material and draw it out, you yeah. can squash it. Then you hold it down on the anvil and you hit it with a sledgehammer because it's going to work a lot faster yeah. than a four pound hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you work smart, not hard. Work smart, not hard. That's the point. I mean, the first Brian Blixen that I went to, I, I mean, my forging is still shocking as you saw today. Well, it wasn't that shocking, but yeah, it's shocking. <laughs> so, um, so, so for for you, for those of you guys who don't know, I I only do stock removal at this point. I want mm. to progress to uh, forging in the future, but at this point, I I am only comfortable doing stock removal. And yes, I am practicing my forging in the meantime at Jack Conan. Yeah. Um, but it's going to take me a while to get there. <clears throat> yeah. But the first Brian Blixen that I went to, um, I don't know what I did, but there was a flipping hot piece of steel in the forge and I, and I took it out to start forging and I was donnering this thing with the hammer and it came out the tongs mm. and it hit me in the face, hot side, in my lip, cut Ouch. an S mark in my lip. So that's why you have a beard. So that's why I have a beard. Yeah. But it, it, Niels had such a laugh because it looked like the Alex Steel touch mark. 
Uh, you touched by Alex Steele. <laughs> and, dude, it was it was the coolest scar I've ever... Mm. Like, it was the coolest story and coolest scar that I've ever had. Yeah. Um, other than my skateboarding scars. But, mm. yeah, it, it was... And then, yeah, I, I had this big scar in my lip. And... Um, and then when I when I spoke to Jack, uh, I'd never met Jack before, mm. um, so I phoned him mm. and I said to him, you know, were you at Brian Blixen? He says, you know, I'm pretty sure that we've spoken before. And I said to him, were you at the Brian Blixen? He says, yeah, yeah. I said, so I was the guy who hit myself in the face with a hard piece of steel. He's like, oh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know that guy. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, it was it's it's a funny one, and I don't mm. think I'm ever gonna live that down. But I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. Know, yeah, it's it's all about the start. I think I think Baron is still upset that he didn't win the first one because he's not he didn't show up and he's not. Oh man! Because did, he's, did he's, he run out of time though? There was a time issue. Yeah. The Brian Blixem is all about time management. Yeah. You have enough time if you have a game plan. Yes. Yes. So like. The second time I did it, I mean, the first time, Niels said we can use whatever's there, you know. He had pre-cut pieces of brass with a slot already cut in them. Yeah. And we had to do a hidden tank. What did everybody do? Draw holes and file out a slot. There was one already with a slot what? cut in it. That's just stupid, man. Yeah. What the flip? Yeah, it's, it's simple things. Why would you so, do that? The second time I did it, we had we could do a, a full tank knife. Yeah. So everybody slapped and glued their scales on, and then went to the grinder to hog off the wood. But I used the belt the the not the belt grinder the bandsaw. I used the bandsaw to cut the scales out a bit, so you don't have as much wood to hog off because yes. wood clogs your belt your your, your, um, your belts your belt. So, yeah. and I'd learned that because I'm a stingy bastard. I don't like spending <laughs> money on belts. And belts are fucking expensive, man. Not if you buy correctly. Yeah, no, sure, sure. I mean, if you're buying quality belts, like, I don't know what you think about the fat belts. I like the fat belts, but at the moment I get the Norton, uh, the orange Norton. Yeah. The one I gave you. Yeah, and I mean, I was just going to say, those belts cut beautifully. Mm. They do cut beautifully. And at Um, the moment... They cost for a forty grit belt. I'm paying fifty five rand a belt. Okay. So if you're buying a thirty six fat, you're paying a hundred and something rand for it. Yeah. The sixty grit and the hundred and the one twenty grit, I think they're about seventy eighty rand. Now, I've actually changed the, the my grit system or, okay. or the, what grits I use. Okay. I very seldom used to use a thirty six because you just make fuck ups faster. Yeah. True. And then, um, then I, I buy my belts from Rian Mansa at, at Three Legged Dog because he's just down the road from me. And it saves me. Everybody's have, just down the road from you. Yeah, but you and know. Everybody. KMTS is just down the road from Jeepers me. No, it's not. It, it, it's actually, if, if I go to work, you know, when, before this whole lockdown started, I had a job. I still have a job, technically. Yeah. But um, I stay in Benoni, but I work for. Danelle, Piet Mark Petruna, PMP, mm-hmm. <coughs> making an ammunition development. So I blow up shit. And uh, uh, they in Pretoria West. So I drive like 70Ks there and 70Ks back. Well, I used to every day. 
and KMTS was just over the hill from us. So that was convenient. But now that since lockdown, I think I've been into the office twice and now I'm working remotely, mm. even though they're not fucking paying us. But that's another story for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> and the song, Fuck You with a Fucking Anchor. Yes, yes, yes. But yes. Uh, yeah, so Rian's just other, and he said, try these. Try these Norton belts. Mm. So I tried them because he says they're so cheap and it's a full ceramic belt. Yeah. It's cheaper than, than the, the Blue King Spurs. Mm. Um, and it fucking works like a bomb. But yeah. now they have a 24 grit, a 40 grit, uh, an 80 grit. So I've changed. Oh, so you've had to change your grit system. I've changed my grit, but I used to do most of my grinding on a 60 grit, then yeah. go to a 120, yeah. then 180 and further down. Yeah. So now I pre-grind before heat treatment with a 40 grit and I hog the I profile with a 40 grit. Uh-huh. And then after heat treatment, I use an 80 grit because you make fuck up slower. Mm. And then I do the 120 with a fat because they only have the, I think that we can only get the 80 grit in, in, in <clears throat> the Norton. It only goes up to 80. I'm not sure. Okay. But the fat 120, brilliant belt. Yeah. I use the, the 870s. Yeah. Uh, I don't use the ceramic plus because they just overpriced. And the thing is, Trent will attest to this because now he's learned. Yeah. Fresh belts matter. Yeah, they do. Especially, not so much in soft blades, but when your blade's hardened, yeah, having a fresh belt makes a world of difference to the quality of your grinding. It does. It does. I mean, when when I went to Jack's place the other day to carve this kitchen knife, well, grind this kitchen knife, not, not carve it. Uh, that's my carving, my carving calling. Yeah, wanting me back, but um, so I started off with a, a belt that had been used, and uh, Jack said to me, "No, switch over to a, a sharp belt," and it was a one twenty grit, mm. I think, and um, I started grinding on this fresh belt, and I was like, "Jeepers creepers!" It actually looks like I can freaking grind, mm. like. It makes a huge difference in being able to, and I mean, this is what Niels mentioned to me because um, <clears throat> I was battling with the last kitchen knife that mm. I was doing. Mm. Inconsistent grinding, like mm. so bad. You saw that yeah. picture. It was bad, right? But it was because you've got, I think this is because, like I think this is the reason, you've got a high-grit belt that is blunt, mm. basically. And now you've got shit mo like shit tons of surface area and it's mm. just shuttering that blade. Yeah. And so now it's a lot harder for you mm. to control where that grind is going because yeah. you've got so much surface area. Yeah. And it's actually doing more buffing than it is um the cutting. If you look on your blade when you grind, yeah. If it is dull, the blade is sh- the, the belt is sharp. As soon as it starts going shiny, means that belt yeah. is is blunt, it is blunt, and it's doing more polishing. Yeah. Than cut, uh, more polishing than, than cutting, and it it saves you so much more time. Yeah. Because now you you struggling on an old belt, getting trying to get your 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 grind consistent. Yeah. And when you put on a fresh belt, and it's just like, you can literally I do. <clears throat> so my transition after hardening is I do 80 grit, 120, and then I go to the um, Trizac uh, gator belts. Yeah. 
for just finishing. To minimize on your hand sanding time. Minimizing on hand sanding time. Mm. Because they stay sharp for a lot longer. Yeah. And it's literally you you take your 80 grit to or your 60 grit to almost the grind height, but you've got to leave space to take the deeper scratches out. Yes. Yes. So then Which is something I'm still trying to flip and learn. I'm like <laughs> I'm battling with that. Yeah, it's it's part of the of the learning process. Yeah. But then you leave then on the one twenty, you just you just uh, you're moving your grind height a little bit higher, but you you're more refining it and getting the scratches out, mm. and then you go to your 180 or your 150 or whatever the, the next belt is, mm. and then you then you 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 getting closer and closer to where you want to be, but mm. you making sure that you're getting the deeper scratches yes. out. Yes, um, yes, and it literally, if you do your, your with sharp belts, your progression, you know, it takes you less time. It's literally, I can do maybe four passes on, on a blade this, on, on like a, a hunter size, four passes of the 120 and then I yeah. go to the next grit yeah. per side. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a fresh belt, it cuts cleanly, you get all the, the, the 80 grit yeah. uh, grinds out and, and you get it closer to where you want it to be. And if you, it's easier, say now you move from the 120 to the 180 grit. Yeah. And you see, I can't quite get to the height I want to. Mm. Step it back. You do two passes on the 120, and then you go back to the 180 yeah. to refine it. Yes. It's easier to go back down to a coarser grit yes. to get the height you need than <clears throat> to try and get the, the finish you need yes. with less space. Yeah, and you also risk overheating your blade as well. Mm. If, you, if you're trying to like mm. remove mass amounts of material mm. at that. Because you've got surface area is a big yeah. fucking thing with knife making. Yeah. Um, if especially you want, to, especially if you if you're doing uh, if you're doing flat grinding like we do, it's yeah. the only way to make blades. Yeah, unless you're making cutthroat razors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh, if look. you're doing if you're doing hollow grinding, <laughs> the surface area isn't as much because the wheel's moving. Mm. But if you've got a stationary platen, yes, the friction makes a big difference. I've never done a hollow grind. I've heard some guys say that it's easier, and it I've is heard. Easier. And I've heard some guys say exactly the opposite. I've always been scared of doing hollow grinds. I've never done it only because I don't have a hollow grind wheel. Yeah. It's the only reason I haven't done it. Yeah. But I do want to get to that point. Mm. But um, yeah, it's 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 such it's such an interesting interesting topic obviously mm. like if you're not interested in knife making like it's going to be boring as fuck for you yeah but like for the guys who are interested mm. it is like you like i mean you mentioned it earlier mm. like when you think you understand knife making just wait yeah just wait just wait because because there, there's always fucking something that you haven't done yeah. There's always some other process that yeah. somebody else has done, and you're like, well, fuck. That's a wrap for this episode. Stay tuned for more of Open Hearth Cast. <sighs>